Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition for the last 30 years. It's Rosie on the House. Rise and shine, everybody. Great Pig, Arizona. Saturday, good morning to you all. Good morning. I'm Rosie, and I brought the frog in my throat with me. (laughs) And in studio this morning, of course, is my sweet and precious wife, Miss Jennifer. We got a big lineup today. We do. We do. We're going to go Wickenburg way today. And uh, Romy has has gotten in this little habit. He loves trivia. And so the first segment, we're supposed to come up with some place in time or history that refers back to whatever we're talking about. We're talking about Wickenburg today. Couldn't find a day and in history, but I did find a year in history. 1819, 200 years ago, Henry Wickenburg was born in Germany. And in 1847, he arrived in New York. 1850s, he hit the Arizona Territory. And in 1863, he opened the Vulture Mine. So all that over the last 200 years. Lots to, lots to think about Wickenburg Way, huh? So while the Civil War is raging at Gettysburg, Henry Wickenburg is out discovering gold at Vulture Mine. Yeah, which would you prefer? Golly. <laughs> well, you know, Wickenburg has a lot of very peculiar trivia points about it. Um, it's the oldest city in Arizona. North, north of Tucson, north of north, Tucson. North of Tucson. Isn't that crazy? It was it was almost the territorial capital. It missed that designation by just two votes. Little Wickenburg. It at one time was the third largest city in the territory. Well, very good, honey. You've been doing your so, homework. And Grand Avenue, I mean, the reason Phoenix was built was Henry Wickenburg needed to feed his cattle and his miners. And he sent Jack Swilling to Phoenix to reopen closed canal systems that were hundreds of years old and start farming grass, hay, and food crops. And so they built Grand Avenue. It's a big job. A big job. Big job. So Wickenburg plays a big part of Arizona history. Well, you and I snuck out on Tuesday and ran up Wickenburg Way to just kind of check out our staycation winner is up there this weekend, staying at the Flying E Ranch. So we wanted to see the ranch. Um, it was raining. It was the only day we had, but we went ahead and went. It was absolutely pouring. Um, the drive up was fabulous. The highway just on each side covered in lupine and brittle bush and all kinds of yellow carpet kind of color, ground cover, and the sky. The sky, Rosie. We didn't even turn the radio on. We were both no, in, we never in, did. And all the the clouds kind of, you know, the storm kind of lifted a little bit, and the sky had a hundred shades of white and gray and blue, and then that bluebird sky behind it. The full yeah. rainbow over the Hacienda. Yes. Yeah, we drove back to see the vulture mine and the. Got the, a great picture mm-hmm. of that. And that's was on, that's on was Facebook. the Hacienda wet? Yeah. I always get a kick out of that. Yeah, <laughs> rolling. There was there was some running water. In the Hacienda. And all the trees in that in that preserve were like lime green. So just a great time of year to get outside. But we, th- you know, we drove into town. It was raining. We thought, hey, nobody's, nobody's around. And we stepped into the Spur Cafe, and guess what? Everybody was in there having breakfast. So 
And by the time we got there, I guess it was lunch. We we had lunch. It was a delicious little lunch. And then we walked over to the um, Desert Caballeros Western Museum and just had a wonderful visit. We hadn't been there in, I hate to admit, maybe 15 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. So it's, it's changed quite a bit since then. And we met Dan Finley, who's the executive director of the museum. And we have him on online with us this morning. I'm going to bring him in here, Gary. Good morning, Dan. I feel so bad. <laughs> Hi, Dan. Good yeah. morning. It helps if uh, good, Gary unlocks good your morning. phone. Yeah, of course. <laughs> He's going, I'm here. I'm here. That's how, radio works that way. <laughs> yeah. Glad. Thanks for joining us this morning, Dan. I know it's early, and we appreciate you um, coming on with Oh, us. no, it's a pleasure, and, and I'm delighted to uh, welcome you there to Wickenburg a few days ago. It was uh, a great visit. There's so many uh, really wonderful things in Wickenburg that... Uh, we're uh, delighted to to show them off any chance we get. Well, I think the museum is high ranked in that. And you told me you liked rainy days because it brought people in, and it was crowded. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody walking around it with their does. headsets, bumping into each other, <laughs> backing it, into it each does. other. Uh, Wickenburg has become the roping capital of uh, really the entire West, the team roping capital of the West, and and that means all kinds of people come to town uh, to participate in that activity, but. Uh, uh, when it rains, they can't really do that very well. So they all come to the museum, and that's a good day for us. Well, they sh- nobody should wait for the rain to come to the museum because <laughs> it was quite the quite the treasure. Uh, why don't you just kind of tell um, our listeners what to expect if they come to the museum? What would you see on a normal day? Well, the museum is 50 years old. Uh, we're, as a matter of fact, celebrating our 50th anniversary in just a couple of months. So we're very excited about that, and and over time. Uh, we uh, have really e- evolved from just a Western history museum to a Western history and art museum. And Jennifer, you mentioned your favorite, uh, yeah, your favorite painting there. Uh, and we have wonderful history of the Wickenburg area and Arizona and, and the West in general, telling all the wonderful stories that, that make up uh, the, the attributes, the character, the the uh, really all that that goes into being uh, Western, but what we've what we learned over time is there's a there's a wonderful uh, way to tell that story, and that's through art. So when you come to the museum, you not only will experience the great stories of the West, uh, and specifically going through uh, the sections of Old Wickenburg that we've recreated in the museum, to now this terrific art collection of both some of the great Western masters, people that your listeners would all know, the Remingtons and the Russells. Uh, but now we've got lots of contemporary Western artists in the museum as well. So it's really quite uh, a broad range of, of things that people will see in the museum each visit. And, and I might say that uh, each visit that they come will be a little bit different because things at the museum are always changing. Um, yeah, we got a little preview, a little sneak mm. of what's, uh, what's coming up. You guys have a really wonderful event coming, coming up real soon here called the Cowgirl Up. And we got to go behind yeah, the scenes, we, and you were taking down and getting ready to put back up. And just an, this is great timing because it March, starts March 29th, right? It's the, that's correct. Yeah. yeah, our biggest activity of the entire year is an art show and sale called Cowgirl Up. Uh, and that show features 56 women artists, Western artists who are really the very, very best female artists at what they do. Uh, the show is now in its 14th year. Uh, it began really as a response to uh, really the male-dominated world of Western art, that it was uh, 
Uh, it was felt that the women just weren't getting a fair shake back 14 years ago, and as a result, the Western uh, the Western uh, art world needed something like uh, a women's show, and it particularly has has grown over the years. Uh, and now we have, you know, with even with the Me Too movement going on across the country, our our show is even more relevant than ever, and the show now features just uh, really the very finest female Western artists anywhere in the United States, and they all come together beginning for our opening weekend on, on March 29th, and the show the show goes all the way through March 12th, so if you can't make it on the opening weekend, you certainly got a number of weeks there to, to come to Wickenburg to see the show. And opening weekend is actually a, a big fundraiser for y'all. You all close off the street, you have tents, you can visit with the artists, you can meet them, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's really the really the best part of the show. This the show is a, it's certainly number one. It's a way to promote uh, female artists of the West. Uh, the show, secondly, is a, a a very important fundraiser for the museum. But uh, it really is also just a grand way to to come and and learn about the West, celebrate the West. And, and really enjoy uh, everything that uh, we have to offer. Well, and we are talking fine art. The, I mean, the, the, the pieces yes, are absolutely. high, high quality. And the, the really cool thing yes, I thought was you can, um, you, can, you can buy, you can purchase uh, the pieces. Yes. You can't have them until yes. after the event, uh, the exhibition, but you can go we, ahead and we, purchase we, them. We have... Yeah, it's certainly uh, fine art. It's paint, predominantly painting and sculptures, but oftentimes a few a few other very unique pieces that become part of the show. Uh, the main show, uh, uh, those pieces, uh, people are certainly encouraged to purchase, but they do stay at the museum uh, for the duration of the show. But we do have a component of the show that are called miniatures, which are just smaller paintings that... Uh, that if, our, if they're purchased any time during the show, uh, people can take those paintings with them. Oh, On Sunday, uh, March 31st, we have really the the uh, most popular uh, part of the entire show, and that's what we call our quick draw, where on Sunday morning we, we get uh, about 15 or 20 of the artists who uh, are uh, willing to literally do a painting uh, within about an hour and a half time frame and they do it in front of 700 people. If you can imagine the pressure, no uh, pressure to create a, <laughs> a really terrific piece of art while all these people are walking around and looking over your shoulder. Uh, but then those paintings are for sale as well, and and people can take those home with them uh, on that on that Sunday. Just a great event, and people can get a preview at your website, westernmuseum.org. Go to the exhibitions or the events and re- click down on the cowgirl up, and then you can click through each artists and see what's going to be available. So if you, if you spend a little time. 285 pieces available on that website. So wow. there's certainly going to be something there for everybody. I wanted all of them. They were absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> I went through thinking, well, I'll just talk about a few of my favorites. But you know what? They are all beautiful and quality. They work. are all. And, and, and they're, some of the artists are would be considered traditional. Some are contemporary. Mm-hmm. Some uh, a mixture. So certainly going to yeah. be some. Yeah, it's a great mixture. Uh, lots of different media, and and it, uh, you know, so if you like acrylics, if you like watercolors, if you if you like bronze sculptures, you know, it really is is all there for you. The Desert Caballeros Western Museum, known as Arizona's most Western museum, right in Wickenburg, we're visiting with Mr. Daniel Finley, executive director, and when you're talking about who could you see there, 
here's a, here's a sample of some of the work we saw. Remington, Russell, Moran, Kirk Walters, Bill Nebaker, Scott Baxter, Fippen, Beeler. I mean, these are the icons of Western art. And uh, really, really enjoyed the visit. Daniel, thanks a million for joining us this morning. Oh, it's my pleasure. Please, please come back soon. We will. Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Well, Jennifer and I just finished a little trip up to Wickenburg in our Sanderson Ford. My, we have a choice of Sanderson Ford. Yeah, we yeah. do. We do. <laughs> we have a small Sanderson fleet in our parking lot. But uh, I have to tell you, Jennifer, since they since they took my driver's license away for the accident, I'm gonna get it back soon. Uh, Jennifer has taken over my truck. Um, Tell them what you have. And it's a Raptor. It's a 600 horsepower Raptor. I really like the noise it makes. Yeah, you've become a very aggressive driver. <laughs> I, I wanted to say, mention that to you. Well, you you fussed at me, so I've I've gotten a little better, <laughs> I think. Right? I just I don't know what it is. It seems like I hit every red light in the city. I don't know. I just get going, get roaring down, and then I have to stop. Well, so I guess I should appreciate the chance to roar it again, right? Well, we had a great trip. Uh, we're going to run a, a great trip down to Rio Rico here in the next couple weekends. But we just finished visiting with the executive director of the Desert Caballeros Western Museum. It is Arizona's most Western museum in Wickenburg. If you haven't been there recently, I couldn't encourage you more. Get up there and check it out. Jennifer and I had not taken the time to park the car and go in the museum for at least 15 years. And 15, 20 years ago, it was a storefront museum. And now it is a full two-story... Uh, living History Museum living underneath? Hi- yeah, it's absolutely fabulous. And then fabulous. fine art on top. It's absolutely well worth... It's something for everybody. The whole family will enjoy it. Well, and their biggest event is just coming up. Yeah, March 29th, Cow, Cowgirl Up. Cowgirl Up. And about- 65 women artists from across the country. That's pretty incredible. Hey, I, I need to throw out a, a trivia question for you before we, before we go to our next guest. Okay. So, so to win, I'm, I'm more generous than Romy. I'm going to give you two set. I'm going to give away two sets of Arizona State Park passes, good at any state park, uh, through, through December. So, true or false, the Hacienda River was given two names, one by the Yavapai and one by the Apache. The Yavapai called the river following the water as far as it goes. The Apache called it the Topsy-Turvy River. True or false? Text it to 411-923, and whoever gets it right will get a chance to win the state park passes. Very good. Okay, but you know what? It's coming up next. Yes, so I when do. So at the museum, they said, hey, you've got to call Judith Durr, one of our um, cowgirl, cowgirl up artist who lives in the area. So we have invited Judith in, and she is with us this morning. Good morning, Judith. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning, Rosie. Good morning. Well, we had this instant bond kind of thing because I heard a little twang in there. <laughs> so that makes you an instant friend for me. So <laughs> you, Judith, have just a tremendous talent for one thing. Thank you. Um, anybody can go on. You can look up judithder.50megs.com or go on to the Desert um, Caballeros Western Museum and go into Cowgirl Up and see all the artists. But when I first was clicking through, I thought, was well, I had to, is that a painting or is that a picture? And they are just 
um, beautiful works of art. Just tell us about what what you like to do and what your what your medium is. Tell us I'm about an oil art. artist, mm-hmm. and I. I'm versatile enough that I do Western, that's where I began, Mm -hmm. and portraits. I thought that's what I was going to be working on. And my heritage is Native American. I'm Choctaw, part Cherokee, part Choctaw. And it is amazing when I started adding the beadwork that my mother would do, I was impressed that I could make a real bead. And I started buying moccasins, regalia to actually paint, and it transformed my work. Joan Colley Gallery in in Scottsdale, uh, probably 25 years ago, uh, had a show, invited me to be a part of the show, and wanted my work with the beadwork. She wanted the rugs. I do the full rug background in some of my pieces. And I did the uh, beadwork. And you painted I painted the beadwork. And Very realis- realistic. Yes. And and at the time they didn't want my western work. That's what I was known for. Interesting. And how she, come? Because she wanted the beadwork. They'd never seen that part of the art. And at the time it was, you know, they have everyone has done moccasins and regalia, but they didn't have the beadwork that I did or do now, which is 12 layers. Okay, so you brought this morning, yeah, I've looked at your website, I've really enjoyed the pictures, but this morning you brought an actual picture for me to see. Yes. And the first thing I wanted to do was what? Touch, touch it. it. Everybody wants yeah. to touch the beads. It has a and 3D. It has a 3D. When they see my rugs, the same thing has been said, and I, I love that. I'm very passionate about what I get to do. I like realism. I like traditional. I think that it's it's phenomenal. And but for somebody to want to touch your paintings, it's amazing. We'll be back with more with Judith Dirt on Rosie on the House. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Welcome back to Rosie on the House. I'm just scrolling through all our answers for our trivia question. There's only three people that got it right. <laughs> so, right. So I think I'll give away three sets. I'll be okay. extra generous. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Romy likes to hold on to his one at a time, but I like to. I want everybody to get out there and enjoy it. I have one more trivia question or answer, just a trivia point for you. Okay. okay so do we give the answer now since we know or what? No, I, I will when we we usually do it when the wrap up. Oh, okay. All right. Because I have a guess. Okay. Well, I'll make sure you get <laughs> to put your two cents in. <laughs> okay. So um, the ne- the last trivia point I have for you today is. You know what was invented in Wickenburg? I'll give you the date, 1949. Hmm. Something very traditionally Western. The bolo tie. Okay, all right. 1949 by Vic Cedarstaff. And then in 1971, the Arizona legislature um, decreed it the official state tie, the state neckwear. You don't have any. Do you have any bolo ties? I think you have maybe one of your dad's. I, I have a couple of dad's. Yeah, they can be pieces of art, too. Yes. Well, we're here visiting with Cowgirl Up artist uh, Judith Durr. So nice to have you. Judith, I think I would like you to talk about, um, well, first of all, your, your stuff has been everywhere. You've been in the Fippin. Yes. Um, you've been, tell us, just tell us some of the places that you've, you've had your artwork shown. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the Herd, uh, Santa Fe Indian Market, Fippin Show, uh, Charlotte Hall. Wow. Cowgirl Up, 
Joan Colley Gallery, uh, Esteban's Gallery in in, uh, Santa Fe, Uh, lots of places. And so is most of your stuff, you talked about starting kind of the Western, but you do mostly Indian pieces now. I do them both. I do them both. I like like the Indian pieces because most of the people that look at the Native work, they go, wow, I want the rug. I want my rug in this. I want my pot in this. Or I'd like my moccasins. And can you do a cradle board for me? And that brings up the point you do do commissioned work. I do. I love commission work. I know a lot of artists who don't enjoy commission work. I love commission work because, number one, I get to meet the people. Mm -hmm. I find out what they like, and that spurs me on to do something for them that they really keep going, this is beautiful. I love this. That's great. So one thing I think is very interesting, Judith, is you're interested in sharing art yes. on, on all levels, not just creating pieces, but also right. kind of uh, sending it to the next generation of people who might want to draw. And tell us how, tell everybody how you learned. My father, when I was 10 years old, my dad, I'd I knew in the first grade that I wanted to be an artist. Wow. And uh, a gentleman came and gave a show and tell, and, and I thought, oh, this is so cool. He's an artist. And I knew that I liked to draw. And someone asked me, what else do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to teach. I'd like to be an archaeologist. This is in the first grade. <laughs> and they go, well, spell archaeologist. And I did. <laughs> and what I found was at 10 years old, my dad gave me paper, a Walter Foster, how to draw, pencil, draw, and set me down and said, here you go. That's all we had money for. And I drew all through high school and junior high. And, and But um, you also told me you used to watch TV. Who did you watch on TV? Bob Ross. <laughs> Bob you Ross. admit that. <laughs> I, did not, I did not have enough money when I started to paint. I, I just didn't have what it was to go to a workshop or didn't know what to do. So when Bob Ross came on, we were living in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And he was on TV every Saturday. And I was going, oh, my gosh, I could do this. 30 minutes? Anybody can paint in 30 minutes? Well, my grandfather at 65 went to Cerritos College and was learning to paint. He worked for Chevron Oil. And I thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And... I started Bob Ross, and I realized three days later I can't do what Bob Ross does, but I learned the foundational work for oil painting for myself, for wet-on-wet technique. So you never really had a formal training. Not that you weren't always learning, but you never had a formal. Exactly. I didn't go to college for this. And at one time, I was so embarrassed, you know, to tell people that, that I'm an artist, and they would ask where you went to school for this. And I'm going, I didn't, you know, and it was embarrassing, I thought, at first. And now I realize... That's just part of my journey. I'm here because I learned something, and I was persistent. Well, it shows how much of a passion it is for you, too. You were going to learn whether you could afford college or whatever. And and I I teach that. I I want people inspired by that. There's so many people out there that can paint and don't know it or want to and don't try it. So tell us um, how you're involved in in teaching at this point. You're on several levels. yeah, you teach the actual actual artwork. Right. So, At my studio. Okay. And what mediums do you teach? I, oil, drawing, but mostly oil. Uh, a lot of people like oil painting. They want to start. I started out with everything. I tried every medium there was, and I just couldn't find anything that worked for me until I hit oil. And when I found the oil paint and how to use it, that was wonderful. That became a passion. And I found that there's lots of other people out there that have that same passion but don't know what to do. And you so there's a couple parameters. I didn't know that you won't teach anyone under 18 with the oils. Right. 
because, because the it's chemicals. chemicals. It's yeah. a lot of chemicals. There's a lot of things. And that's just a, that's not good on kids. Yeah. Now I'll teach drawing, but it's 18 or older and they come to the studio. And then you also go out of the house, out of the studio to, to teach as well. The you, one, you and and you actually are married to an artist. I am married to Roger Call, and he's with us today he's too. He's a leather, yeah. a sculpted leather artist. Also wonderful stuff. I'll I'll link both of those on our Facebook and Lawana Body can Thank find you. you real quick. So you guys go to the school. We we Wickenburg uh, cowgirl up one year invited us to both go out and teach at the at the high school, and we were impressed with the variety of students and what they had and what they did and the art, because art is being sloughed off as extracurricular or something that's not important in school. And now uh, Wickenburg has a wonderful program. So we were invited again this year to go out and teach uh, the advanced students in the high school and talk for uh, at their 1030 hour this, this, this year. Instead of doing three hours, we're doing one. And so when you go out there, are you teaching how to? No, it's basically inspiring people, finding out what they like to do. And then we don't teach them how to paint. They already know some things. They have some skills. But you want to inspire somebody to, to pursue it. Because at some point, I was 30, I think I was 36 when I started drawing again and painting uh, with Bob Ross. And so I realized that at some point, life gets in the way. And life, you have to take that and then begin again sometimes. And so that's that's what I, I realize is that 30 years old, 18 years old, it doesn't matter. Just as long as you have that spark. I had it when I was in the first grade, and I knew it. You know, our, our oldest daughter, Rachel's similar. She From the time she was tiny, she would take... Um, Disney books and draw all the characters. Yes. And then we, we had an artist that lived very close by, Linda Story London of, of Scottsdale, and she would teach the kids. And I'd take all the kids, but Rachel was the one that came back with some things that kind of... Both of my and, kids. And she, and she yeah. loved it. Um, and then she got married, and she drew and drew, and she's done some wonderful portrait pencil work, but then had children and, and just hasn't um, gotten back into it, but I want her to hear your story because it can come back. Right? It can come back. You never, for, you never. If you have that desire, you never lose it. It's always there. I don't care what your passion is. The principle always is there that you want to do that, and it's a goal. You always make it a goal, and you get to travel if that's your passion. Uh, but mine was art, and yeah. I wanted to pursue it teach it. And the cool part about what I get to do is I get archaeology involved, I get teaching involved, and I get my art involved. That is so fantastic. It's a This is a great job. Like I said, I don't want a real nine-to-five job. I like the job I do. Well, you sound pretty busy because you've got the studio. Right. And people can come there for lessons. Sure can. And then you also participate in tours. You would tell me last... We had we have Hidden in the Hills is a, a Sonoran Art League show. And it's in the fall, correct? It's in the fall. It's in November, the a week before Thanksgiving, a week after Thanksgiving. And what has been so spectacular is they open up 47 studios, and we've had as many as 1,200 people come through our studio on those two weekends. And we have six artists that, that are with us. So it's that's a great part of what we do, and we're 
all year long, we get calls. Can we come to the studio? Can we visit? But it's by appointment. We make sure that you have to call because... I am so glad to hear that because I'm thinking 1,200 people, I don't want... Uh. No, no, we can't handle that. I, I, it's all I can... We've got three dogs, two cats, yeah. a horse, and we're just, you know, and you're thinking, okay, <laughs> we need some time. <laughs> I love to hear that. So when can people make appointments? It opens... It, it, just call. Just okay. call the studio, look on the website, the number's there. You can always call. So what would you what would you tell somebody who felt like they might have a have a a bent towards art and they're not very far along and the good part is if they have the desire I teach this if you have a desire that passion will begin to flow again and that desire creates something inside you that you can't let go of you can't stop being what you're born to do and if you have a desire to paint, even if you're 65 years old, or if you're older, I've got older students, then they want to learn something. Never quit learning. That's part of it. But always push yourself. Challenge yourself. Do as much as you can. What I've never been able to figure out is when does an artist decide the piece is done? <laughs> That's do, easy for me. Golly. Oh, is it really? Easy. I, That's easy for me. I, it, I do a lot of pencil drawing. Sure. And I'll bet you I've never finished yeah, he's right. one drawing. <laughs> when you can't put another lick of paint on or another stroke on, that's when I'm done. <laughs> and with that many layers, I guess you know when you're at that I point. I had somebody say, well, don't make mud. Don't, don't, don't push too hard. Don't do so much. And I realized that every time I would do a layer, let it dry, come back and glaze it and do another layer, it got better. And... About the eighth layer, it's better. And about the wow. tenth layer, it's even better. And about the twelfth layer, people go, oh, my gosh. And getting my students, the cool part about teaching is you get somebody to do beadwork. Oh, I want to do the beadwork. I need to do the, the moccasins. When you get to about the third or fourth layer with them, they're going, really? You want to <laughs> do another? I said, sugar, you've got 12 more layers. You know, you've got wow. 12 layers to do. And you find out who has persistence. That you do. And that persistence, if, if you want the realism that I do, it's not every artist that does this. They have another way of doing it. it it's what I do to push it. Well, in, in the, we have a couple minutes left together, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about Cowgirl Up. Okay. And I, I had asked you, you know, who's your favorite? And then I went on the website, and I couldn't choose a favorite because they are all phenomenal artists. This is 56 of the finest top women in the country and it is there's nobody that's my favorite I have people that I enjoy that I like getting the camaraderie of the women uh Rebecca Toby I, I love her work I like Sue Cleaver uh and Sue Kirsten I they just these are people that I admire Rox Corbett look at the graphics the the pencil that she does um Carol Sweeney and the landscapes my gosh it's an Arizona artist you know? I didn't make it past the the uh, M's. <laughs> I, was I, I thought I was just going to fly through, and there were so many of them. The, but Liz Wolf, she's she's inspiring with some of the the simple uh, things she does with with her sculpture. When you start looking at artists and you start admiring and spending the time with these people, you realize, oh my gosh, we're the same. I I went there thinking these are the the icons of of the art and. 
and I was looking for their autograph, and someone came up to me and said, can I have yours? I've been wanting to meet you, and I'm going, what? <laughs> you know, it, it, it took Everybody me back. admires other people's they, work, we right? We do, but we're all the same. Well, I'm not a real fond of abstract, but they're, they're, Harper oh. Henry does this realism and abstraction <sighs> together. I loved it, and it's just fun to see. It's all the same kind of topic, Western and Native yes. Indian and stuff, but... Um, but seen through different eyes. So some of them are very colorful. Some are very realistic. Some are like photographs. Some are kind of like a dream. I just... There's something for everyone. Yes. And that's the opportunity is that when Cowgirl opened up, there was so much diversity that it was fabulous. And when you go, enjoy every minute of it. If you don't like a piece, that's fine. There's something else I didn't else find for you. one, I have to say. There All right. Go. We'll be back at Rosie on the House. The Rosie on the House, Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Welcome back to the final segment of the 7 a.m. hour. And you know, our conversation this morning is actually driven by Sanderson Ford, our staycation. Uh, we've had just a great time talking to um, Judith Doerr, artist of the Cowgirl Up event, getting ready to go on in Wickenburg, which is our staycation destination of the month. We've had a great conversation. If you missed it, you can catch it on our podcast. Um, also, Gary, real quick, what's the answer, true or false, to my question okay. about the Hacienda River? I'm gonna, there was one word in there that makes me say false, and that's topsy-turvy. Very good. Ah, they call I, it the upside-down river. Yeah. There you go. So the Yavapai called it the um, following the center, the water as far as it goes, and the Apache called it the Upside Down River. So, ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that was pretty tricky, wasn't it? <laughs> hey, I wanted to visit. So uh, visiting the museum, there was a lot of displays about the Flying E Ranch. Its history is rich in the Wickenburg area. And our staycation winner was able to go and stay there. They're actually there right now. We'll have to get a little report when they get back. But it's a fabulous place. Rosie and I stopped by. And online, we have Angie Freeman of the Flying E Ranch. Good morning, Angie. Good morning. How are you? We are well. We are well. How's it up in Wickenburg this morning? It's beautiful. Finally, no wind. It's it's awesome. Couldn't ask for more. It's finally spring. Yes, it, which is kind of high season at the Flying E, yes? Yes. Well, y'all are coming off some r- pretty cool events. Um, they have a, You have like a cowgirl weekend and a couple of really fun things people could maybe plan for next year. Um, oh, absolutely. We do cowgirl weekend in January and February. It's cowgirls only. Sorry, boys. But um, you get between 25 and 40 women who spend three nights together and do all kinds of stuff from Annie Oakley shootouts to cattle drives and paintings and all kinds of things. Do people sign up as a group or is it just you just sign up and then you meet new friends? No, that's the awesome thing. It's just you sign up. There's women that have been coming for five or ten years in a row who are now bestest of friends and look forward to seeing each other each year. And then we also welcome newbies. We had a couple in January and I think three or four in February that were new and exchanged a bunch of numbers and now we'll be coming back next year, already reserved for next year and have met a bunch of new friends with the same interests. I love it. So um, families can come up and really enjoy their time, too. Kind of tell our listeners, Angie, what it would be like to stay there for a couple days, and what's maybe the average stay? Yeah, so we don't have a limit or rules on how many days you have to stay. Um, You can come stay one night if you're doing something fun in Wickenburg, like the Cowgirl Up, or, or visiting the museum, or one of the concerts, or, you know, you can stay a week or two. We have people that stay two weeks. The average stay is usually about three to five days. Um, 
it's a very intimate, personal feeling when you're here. We try to make all of our guests leave like they're feeling like family. And the same is true with the guests that come. Um, they meet new people. We do everything family style. Breakfast, lunches, dinners are all served um, in our lodge. We have four or five different long, big tables that everyone sits down and interacts and gets to know each other. We love that room. Angie, Rosie, and I were in there this week, and yeah. just there are, Rosie, what do you think, 100 photo albums dated by year, and you can go through and see what it was like to stay there in the 50s up till maybe last year. That was really fun just kind of looking they through. Would, they would, they yeah, would that register. is awesome. People love that. They would register where they were from, and uh, y'all draw guests literally from around the world. That's true. And so, Angie, just explain, um, you're, you're on 22,000 acres, right? So when you're out there, you feel the kind of the vastness of, of ranch life. Yes. Um, it's nice because people will start coming here to horseback ride, and we have trails for everyone. And they'll end up, you know, as they get into the later years or if they get a sporting injury and they can't, they find all the different things that you can do on 22,000 acres. We have bird-watching trails. We have um, petroglyph trails. There's all kinds of neat hiking out there to do. Although the wildlife we had, one girl, a teenage girl who was off a sporting injury, didn't feel like going riding. She went out walking and took amazing pictures of a bobcat and a deer. Wow. And, you know, when I, being on the property, it feels kind of like um, historical country club feel. It's extremely clean, extremely well-kept, um, extremely um, historical feel to it and family feel. I can just, I could picture maybe a family reunion there. You know, having your whole family oh, yeah. out there would be just fabulous. You have a pool side, um, little dining, you know, area, picnic area. Then, like you said, the, the community tables and then the individual rooms, all kinds of different choices for rooms too, casitas and room, and just more hotel style rooms. Yeah, we have regular lodge rooms and we have, uh, you know, Two of our cabins that are about 1,300 square feet that fit families nice. But you don't have to come stay the night and be a guest. You can come just to horseback ride. And we put on concerts periodically. We actually have one this Sunday with the Sons of the Pioneers. And we're, we're opening up to anybody who wants to come just enjoy it, even if it's for the day. That's awesome. That would be a blast. Sons of the Pioneer at the Flying E Ranch this Sunday. Oh, man.